0: It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody
1: can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's
0: go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by the new X-Series of scratch-off games from the New York Lottery. Right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times. Please play responsibly. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. Today we're going to finish our positional series and talking about the Giants secondary, so both cornerbacks and safeties with a focus on corners in the NFL draft for agency and, of course, the Giants roster. But first, I want to remind everybody that Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this program and all of our other podcasts, including the Giants Huddle. Just posted one today with Trevor Sykema of the Draft Network, talking NFL draft with him at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and, of course, on all your favorite podcasts podcast platforms, Medo Dotino, how are you today, Oh, Hello, sir.
2: <laughs> I'm doing very well, O.
0: Oh. <laughs> okay, very good, oh. yes. right, O. So, <laughs> all right, so we're going to do secondary today, guys, and I think safety, let, let's do that quickly first and just kind of get it out of the way. Because the Giants are overloaded with safeties. They probably don't need to add any safeties. Their safeties are all under contract for this year. Uh, Jabril Peppers is the only one not under a longer-term deal. So for me... Uh, free, and the only guy they have on the roster right now that's a free agent is Nate Ebner, who's mostly a special teams player. I would imagine that's a guy they would try to bring back in some way, shape, or form, given his contributions on special teams. If you watch the Joe Judge show, you know how what Joe Judge thinks of him as a special teams player. Yeah. But I would not expect them, Paul, to be big players in free agency or the draft at that position.
1: No, I think the only way that they wind up taking a safety would be at the very end of the third day if a guy just looked to be such an incredible athlete that they said to themselves, oh, you know what, uh, he could be an upgrade, let's say, on the coverage teams, uh, potentially. They Remember, Cody Core was out all of last year on injured reserve uh, you know, with an injury, and he was a key special teamer the year before who, you know, is still under contract right now, but you don't know what he's going to be able to bring to the table as he tries to come back. So I would say this, you know, if if they see somebody in the 6th or 7th round and they think this guy can be a hell of a coverage, kickoff coverage guy or a punt coverage guy, uh, I could see them potentially pulling the trigger because we all know that Joe Judge wants to win special teams every weekend.
0: Meadow?
2: Well, I could also see them, as far as the draft is concerned, If they find a player who can play both positions, corner and safety, I would not be surprised if maybe they head in that direction when it comes to the draft. Mm -hmm. I just would be surprised, to your points, if they just focus solely on a guy that would be a safety, given what they already have on the roster, and of course, who's currently under contract, and... McKinney who they just drafted but you know player versatility is important in Patrick Graham's scheme so if they like a guy who maybe has been mixed and matched during his college career I can absolutely see them taking a draft pick and investing them in that type of player but I think you would have to have them showcase they have the ability to be moved around as opposed to just playing the safety spot
0: and just for the records, or giant fans understand what we're talking about the Giants currently under contract that safety on their roster the major players Jabril Peppers who's going on the last year of his rookie contract, you have Xavier McKinney, the Giants' second-round pick last year, you have Julian Love, their fourth-round pick from a couple of years ago, and then you have Logan Ryan, who was signed late last summer, signed the contract, a new contract extension in December. So, they have a lot of guys that, to Lance's point, can play both corner and safety, do a little bit of everything, play different roles, and just generally, guys, we should just talk about the role the safety plays in the defense, because I think it is important where... Patrick Graham used these guys as slot cover guys. McKinney was in that role. Logan Ryan was in that role. They've used them as linebacker types with Jibril Peppers. And then, of course, they really had a focus this year of playing two safeties over the top on a lot of plays. We saw Julian Love in that role. We saw Logan Ryan in that role. We saw Xavier McKinney in that role. And even Jibril Peppers on rundowns as well. So it is a very important position on this defense. And the Giants, really, to me, and this was a question, Lance, I think, was it fact or fiction last week? I think this was a question. Um, is defensive line still at this point the most you know, impressive or yeah. most stock position on the Giants roster? I forget how Dan worded it. And my answer was no, I think it's safety. I, th- I was that impressed with the group the Giants have at that position. So it is an important spot on the roster, the way they use it, and they certainly have a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things, which allows Patrick Graham to do the type of disguising that they do.
2: And I agreed with your assessment. I wrote the same exact thing because you're taking into consideration, of course, that Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson are scheduled free agents. So when you don't know what their status is going to be, it's hard to put anything, in my opinion, ahead of the safety position because you know you're going to have those three guys. Now, we don't know whether or not they're going to play all 16 games, but you have a good feel. You know what you're dealing with at that position. Now, you could always argue, hey, the more the merrier in the NFL, right, because of the injury bug. But once again, I think versatility is far more of a necessity based on how the safety position is utilized than just saying, hey, the Giants need another safety. Now, granted, guys, if there's a veteran out there who you don't have to break open the piggy bank for, who may have had some ties to New England, I don't think that would be a bad move, but that would be the only move that I could see you adding, just a pure safety. Somebody that may have had prior ties to Joe Judge and Patrick Graham's defensive scheme, has some familiarity there, and you know wants to maybe be a mentor type of a role – Maybe similar to a Nate Ebner veteran type of guy. If they wind up losing Ebner and it's somebody that could be a veteran safety who could play some defensive snaps, can get on special teams, you know, that would be to me somebody that would have value being added. Outside of that, I just don't really think they need to take a resource financially and plug it in with a safety, just a pure safety.
0: All right, you want to move the cornerbacks, Paul, or you want to add to that at all?
1: No, there's there's, there's really nothing else to say. I mean, uh, we, we pretty much know where the Giants stand on this.
0: I'm with you. All right, let's look at cornerback. Obviously, maybe the best player on the Giants team last year was James Bradbury, right up there with the Leonard Williams of the Worlds and all those guys. Uh, he was great last year. He was a free agent addition, signed a three-year contract. And he's one of their starting cornerbacks. Across from him, it was a rotating cast of characters throughout the entire year. You had different guys slide in there. You had the Isaac Yottams of the world. Uh, Julian Love went there towards the end of the season. So they don't really have a set second cornerback there, which I think is going to be somebody new they add this offseason. In the slot, they have their rookie from last year, Darnay Holmes, who I thought did a very solid job at cornerback. Got a little hands. He had some penalties called on him, but he's in that position as well. Otherwise, it's not the deepest position in the world. You know, Madre Harper was mostly a special teamer, but he's a guy that played some cornerback. And here's the interesting thing, guys, and I was just looking at the Giants roster to prepare for the show, and, I don't know when this was changed, if this was just back from when he was drafted, so I don't want to take a lot out of this. But Julian Love's actually listed as a cornerback on the Giants roster, and I guess that's a good place to start. He played outside cornerback to end the year. To me, if you're playing him in an off scheme, in a heavy zone scheme, or even an off man where he's going to have some help over the top, I think he can play a little outside cornerback. That's what he did at Notre Dame. But if he's gonna if you're gonna play a lot of press and man to man, that's probably not a spot where he's gonna really, in my opinion, succeed. So, Paul, we'll start with you with this one. How do you view Love? Is he a real player here as a potential outside corner to start next year? Or was that simply, oh man, we need somebody for this spot? Where where and when are we gonna put him in um in terms of position wise in twenty twenty one?
1: Well, understand this when he was drafted the plan was for him to succeed Antoine Bethea as the Giants starting free safety after basically redshirting his first year that was the plan for him so it does tell me that initially they thought he would be a better fit in the middle of the field now subsequent to that Did he show them some things, especially at the end of last season against the Cowboys in the regular season finale, that makes them believe otherwise? Perhaps he did. I don't think any of us can answer that, honestly, right now, because we just don't know. It was a small sample size at the end of last year where he showed he could be capable, under certain conditions, of manning the position. Is that something you want to go through for a full 16 or 17-game schedule? The truth is, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't think the coaches even know the answer to that, nor does Dave Gettleman, I would bet. I think it's a situation where, when the Giants get to training camp, if they don't have any additional resources at corner, he will be given every opportunity to try to win the job. If they do bring in additional resources, he will be given the opportunity to compete. And if he can outshine the other people, well, then guess what? He gets the job anyway, and it's a win-win for everyone.
2: I think the benefit here is you have a player that is still on a rookie contract who knows the system and gained some experience this past year. So to Paul's point, you're not hurting yourself by having him in the mix. But what I will say is, and this is what Paul alluded to, if there's any position, guys, on the defensive side of the ball entering training camp, I would say the more the merrier principle applies to corner, probably more so than any other spot. What I mean by that is I think the Giants need to have the philosophy of whoever is playing outside across from James Bradbury, let's have a competition, okay, and let's have these guys compete on a daily basis through the Zoom sessions to the final day of training camp. And then at the very end of that process, we at least know we exhausted all of our resources to find the best consistent option opposite Bradbury. That's not to say that there's not potential on the roster, But I don't think anybody has solidified the job, including Love, regardless of what he showed at the latter part of the season, that I would welcome, if I'm the Giants coaching staff, I'd welcome guys through the draft, I'd welcome veterans through free agency, and let the best man win. More so than any other position that I would point to on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Lance, that is a perfect transition here as we head to see what... Cornerbacks are available in free in the draft, but first, just want to point out two other players I should mention. Jaron Williams is re-signed by the Giants. He is on their reserve future list at cornerback, so that's just somebody to take note of as we move forward here. Montre Hardage also somebody that is on a reserve future contract. Again, not sure if they see him as a corner or a safety. He's one of those hybrid guys that Lance was referring to earlier. Quincy Wilson. Another guy that is on a reserve future contract. And then Ryan Lewis, who played significant time at cornerback last year, opposite of Bradbury. He is end of the year on injured reserve. So those are other guys that could be in the mix. But to Lance's point, free agency could be an area where, or the draft, can be with the Giants look to add some people. But first, I want to remind Giant fans that limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, guys. You look at this free agency list, and boy, this Paul, for me, is one of the scarcest free agency classes at the cornerback position that I've seen in a long time. I'll just throw some names out there for you, then you can take it wherever you want. William Jackson is probably the top guy on the list. He's 28, has had a pretty good career. He's a free agent. Richard Sherman, we know how good he is, but he's going to be 33 next year, coming off a season where he dealt with some injuries. Then you have guys like Desmond King, who's more of a slot guy. You know, Mike Hilton, he's fine, but nothing special. Shaquille Griffin, he's been okay in Seattle as a, as a starter there. Troy Hill, Chadobi Awuzie, the Giants play the Cowboys all the time. Do you think their cornerbacks are great? Brian Poole, he's more of a slot guy. Quinton Dunbar, again, eh, okay. You know, Xavier Rhodes is a guy that had a nice year last year, but he's over 30. Do you count on him still building on that um, bounce-back year? Ronald Darby. We've seen, seen him in the NFC East a ton. We know what his issues are. Jason Verrett, he's had a lot of injury issues. Patrick Peterson, 31, not the player he used to be. Uh, Nikkel Roby Coleman, again, more of a uh, slot guy. So it's not a very, very deep cornerback class here, Paul, where there are a bunch of guys where you can sign him and plug him in and say, all right, here's your job, you go and take it.
1: Well, to be frank with you, John, you know what the the, the rule of thumb is. For any general manager, you don't sign a player from the outside unless you believe he's got a legitimate chance to make your team and be better than one of the 53 guys you have. Are you absolutely positive that for the money that some of these veterans are going to want to command, and some of them will get minimum, others will get more than that, are they significantly better than the guys the Giants have to compete at corner right now? I'm not not so sure they are. I'm not sure about it either. I'm not sure that reason. I'm not active. I'm sitting back and I'm not I'm not dealing with this position. Uh, I, I just I don't see throwing money at a veteran corner right now as being a very productive thing to do. Now, at the same time, over the next couple of months, there could be some cap cuts that may wind up being very interesting.
2: But that's for another day, not for this afternoon. Well, I think the money has to be right, to your point, Paul. I don't think you should spend the money for the sake of spending the money, but I would argue that I do think there is an opportunity – for a veteran corner to come in and compete and ultimately win the job outside of James Bradbury. Yeah, that's fair.
0: That's So, fair. you know, I mean,
2: if they feel as if, even if it's a one-year guy and you want to bring him in to stabilize that side of the ball, help mentor some of the young guys, I would say that's worth spending a little money. I think what's interesting, John, about some of the names you threw out in the free agent market and – I have had this approach with all of these previews that we've been going through. I'm not looking at the guys that I know are going to command the big money because I just don't think the Giants have the luxury of being in that game. I'm looking for some of the bargain deals or maybe some of the players coming off the rookie contract. But the problem is, like anything else, we can look at salaries. And a few of the guys, John, you mentioned they're coming off of rookie contracts, but you figure they gained some interest. They're not looking to make 800,000, dollars okay? They're looking to bump that up a little bit. So, you know, if the Giants wanted to spend 2 million on a corner, you know, I don't know what you guys think, could they afford to do that? I don't think that's crazy if they brought in somebody on a 1-year deal for 2 million. I think that's something that they could welcome or sure. maybe a little bit less than that.
0: Right, you know? but but to my point, it's not somebody that you're it's not like a move you made with Bradbury last year when you're like, "All right, no, here's our starting all. cornerback, yeah, go ahead of and roll."
2: You know what,
1: Lance? I think you're better off, if you're going to delegate, let's say, $2 bucks to a veteran corner, you're better off waiting to see who gets cut on the back end of the pool than what's sitting out there right now.
0: Well, we'll probably know before free agency starts, right? I mean, I assume anybody that's going to get cut is, is probably going to get cut before free agency begins. You know what I mean? These teams need to get under the cap. So if you're going to make moves, you're going to make the moves early.
1: Yeah, but then if they need to clear out some moves because they're going to sign somebody and they say, "Oh, we got to find an extra 3 million or 4 million here because we're signing this big time ticket." All of a sudden, some other guy gets cut a couple of weeks later.
0: Right, but that would still be at the very beginning of the free agency process if they're signing a big ticket item. Again,
1: that's later rather than today. My point is today's checklist does not excite me.
0: Right, no, I understand. When you said later, Paul, I thought you meant like June or July or something like that. Yeah,
1: I don't think anyone's going to come free at that point. It's going to be very difficult to do and and if worst comes to worst and they feel like they haven't found the appropriate upgrade and they wind up picking at the waiver wire at the very end look remember when they got leon hall yeah, sure. for, right at the end of training camp it it, very it, you late. Know, it, it, it yeah. can happen it's not like impossible but that's a last resort well it or they out brought in pretty productive for the season until he got to the playoff game
2: I mean, another guy that comes to mind, I'm not saying that he was electric, but Connor Barwin was a late addition, too, on the defensive side of the well, ball. he's so not you a can... safety, though, or a corner. No, no, no I'm I'm client. saying, I didn't say it was the same position. I'm using that as an example of you can bring in a veteran late in the training camp process yeah, it can or even happen. at the beginning of the training happen. camp process.
1: It can happen, sure.
0: All right, so let's look at the draft, guys, because I think this is a much more interesting place to look uh, for the Giants this year. Uh, let's talk about the top of the class first because the Giants could be in the mix at number 11 for a cornerback. Uh, there's a chance that no cornerbacks will be off the board in the Giants pick, maybe one, maybe two, depending on what the Broncos and the Cowboys do ahead of them. Those are the two teams that the you know experts out there, gurus, whatever you want to call them, seem to think could go cornerback here in the first round. And to me, I watched what most people consider to be the three top guys this morning at least the top three outside guys, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan, uh, the third, second, pardon me, and J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. And just in terms, Paul, of raw ability, Caleb Farley's impressive. Like, he's a little bit raw. He'll have some false steps. The guy will get beat. I haven't seen a corner with his type of makeup speed where if he has a false step and he gets a step or two behind the wide receiver— his makeup speed to catch up and make a play on the ball to prevent a catch is extremely impressive. Plus he's 6'2" and 207. So he might not be the the most technically sound guy right now and it makes sense. He only played 2 years of college football. One is really like a you know, two is a full-time starter. Him to me though, his tools stand out and if you get him in a with, with a good coaching staff, look out. He has true and I don't use this word lightly, you know I never do, he has legitimate shutdown corner, press corner potential if you can get some of the kinks out of the machinery.
1: I think what you said uh, yesterday, you know, that none of these guys are perfect, can't miss, everything is polished up the way it is, and just add water, is accurate, all right? I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. However... I also think that because of his skill set and because of Sertan's skill set, and Sertan has a lot of intangibles going for him. Obviously, his father with the Miami Dolphins uh, was an outstanding player for a number of years. And, look, I'm not saying that the bloodline necessarily translates, but it certainly helps in terms of attitude, mentality, work ethic, knowledge, all those kinds of things. I, I, I still think that, from what I've seen, more people seem to be a little bit more... I don't know if they think that Sertan is more pro-ready, or they just think the intangibles weigh heavier on their their scale than than Farley. But certainly, I have seen more and more people think that Farley could be the number one corner taken. No, Paul, so- you're
0: right. By the way, Sertan much more technically sound, knows what he's doing. Not surprised. Nick Saban, Alabama, right? All that stuff is bad. Yeah. All that things. None of that surprising. He just. I don't think he has the 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 physical tool package that Farley does but if you want to talk about just like the ability to play the position you know this goes back to our quarterback conversation right who is more quarterback skill who has more talent to become the better quarterback you know what I mean that's the same deal here if you want to get some guy that that you know can play corner right away Sertan's your guy but if you want the guy that boy he has such good physical tools. You know, he can be even better than what Sertan is now. I think Farley's your guy, and I think that's kind of how I look at it.
1: Well, and, and this is why, again, it's a situation where you have to project him into your system with your coaching staff. Are we going to max him out? Are we going to polish this guy up to be the, quote, shut-down guy that we, we think he might be able to attain? That that that's And this is why I think, honestly, John – I think it's pretty unanimous, and I said this to you yesterday, and I, I don't know if, if you had a chance to look at across the board at some more of the mocks and stuff. Farley and Sertan, to me, are the two corners who are top 15, and I, I think that's generally regarded as consensus value for both of them. I don't know necessarily that
0: Horn is right up there. I think he's down a little bit yeah, further. I'll be honest, Paul. I watched Horn this morning. I don't have him far off of Sertan, and here's why. He plays outside and he can play inside, so he has the quickness. I saw him guard six three and six four receivers. I saw him guard five ten receivers. He's physical. He gets his eye in the ball. Uh, I don't think he has the quite the physical tool package of Farley either. I would. I need to look in more. I looked at about you know thirty minutes of tape on each one of these guys this morning. I need to do more work. But I don't have Horn that far away of Sertan. And this is how I'll I'll, I'll phrase it to to, to kind of give the layman a perspective. When I look at Farley and Sertan, and I'll, I'll take Corn out of the equation for now, but I think he has a chance to be a really good player too. Remember the old argument, who was better, Darrell Rivas or Richard Sherman?
1: I never felt that way, but okay. Okay,
0: but, but that, that was always a debate, right? Yeah, If I'm I making guess. player comparisons, Sertan is more the Richard Sherman style of cornerback. Farley's more the Darrell Rivas style of cornerback in terms of how they play. Like I don't think Sertan's ever going to be a guy that's going to follow somebody around the field. Sertan's never going to line up in the slot on somebody ever. Right. I think Farley has the chance to do that sort of thing. That's how I kind of separate him in my mind. If you know where I am going with that.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Uh, You know, the point is in terms of the Giants being injected into this equation at eleven. I just don't believe at this point Horn necessarily factors in for need value at 11, where I think the other two guys probably do. Um, But, again, the Giants could move down a few spots, like Fegels and I have said. We'd we'd go down five more spots, and maybe
0: five more spots down, Horn becomes part of the equation. And, Lance, I think the question then for you is, how much do you take scheme into consideration here when you're picking this cornerback? You know, we know how much of a heavy zone scheme the Giants played last year. You know, a lot of off coverage. They didn't press a whole lot. Do you pick a corner that you think is better at that? Or do you purposely want to pick a corner that you think can do everything so the Giants can be even more versatile in the type of coverages that they use down in, down out?
2: I'd go with the latter more so than the former. I don't like picking players based on scheme in general. And I don't have a crystal ball, but do we know that Patrick Graham is going to be the defensive coordinator beyond 2021? I'm not saying that he's going to be let go, but, I mean, what happens if another coaching opportunity comes his way? And Lance, do we know
0: know if he doesn't want to add more stuff into the scheme next year? 100%. So
2: I never like the idea, and I'm sure, listen, if you polled the GMs across the NFL, they'll give you a variety of different answers. But to me, once again, this goes back to conversations we've had on other shows and what Dave Gettleman was preaching, remember when it was the whole debate about Saquon Barkley? If the goal is, when you're picking relatively high, for the guy to be having a legitimate opportunity to put on the gold jacket, then I don't think you can afford to get caught up in scheme. I think you need to get caught up in, over the course of the rookie contract, do we think this guy's going to continue to show and make strides and warrant a second contract regardless of the scheme? So the versatility to me is the most important and the upside because, you know, you guys were talking about Sertan and Farley. Sertan, the way that I look at him is, and I think both of them have good size, so I don't think you're necessarily hurting yourself if you pick either one. Sure. Sertan, I think you know he's going to be a solid corner. He's proven that. He got on the field very early at Alabama, which – I know most people would say, well, you know, it's Nick Saban. He recruits a lot of talent. Well, yeah, if you get on the field relatively early in your career, I think that says a lot about you. So I think that was a good sign, the fact that they had confidence of putting him out on the field. But I don't know whether the electricity for Sertan long-term is, is what Farley can reach. And I think that's what you were alluding to, John. I think maybe you can trigger... Some elements of Farley's game that he hasn't scratched the surface of yet, whereas Sertan, I think maybe you have a better idea of what truly he could do on the next level. So maybe that's why Farley's got a little bit more upside and intrigue if you were to make a comparison between the two. But once again, schemes are relevant to me. I'm picking who I think has the best overall talent and who I think overall over the course of a rookie contract is going to give me the most. I'm not going to get caught up in whether or not my defensive coordinator is going to be here two to three years down the road.
0: I'm with you. I think that's the way you approach it. hundred percent agree. Just FYI guys, in terms of depth, from what I can tell, it does not seem to be the deepest cornerback class. If you look at Dane Brugler's, I'll just give two examples. If you look at Dane Brugler's top 100 list, he only has six cornerbacks in his top 50. And two of those guys are slot players. They're not outside players. So, That's not a very deep class. You look at PFF, you look at the way they have their cornerback board set up. They only have, let's see, one, two, three, four in their top 50, but then they have three guys between 50 and 60. So it's not the deepest class. So I think the Giants, if they don't pick that cornerback in the first round, that could get a little dicey trying to get a starter in round two.
1: Hence why I've been saying now for the last week as we've gone through these things that if the impact player on offense is not there, you have to think about taking one of those top-shelf cornerbacks. I'm not saying it will be the pick, but it's got to be part of the consideration, assuming that the Giants do believe their grade
0: merits it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Lance?
2: Well, I think the other corners that you know you brought up, and, and I am looking at some of the mock drafts and just the projections. There is a number of guys that are projected, which is kind of weird to go between the first and the third round, which to me is so generic because that could mean <laughs> I mean just about anything. You know, for example, okay, after the guys that you named, you have Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. Yep. Okay, another guy with good size. He's six two. They're saying he could go anywhere from round one to round two. Aaron Robinson, who we saw at the Senior Bowl, okay, out of Central Florida, another guy projected to go one to two. They're a little bit smaller, he's 5'11", so, you know, you're losing the size compared to the other guys. And then Greg Newsom, out of Northwestern, okay, you get the size back a little bit more, 6'1", he's projected to go anywhere from rounds one through three. So those, to me, those are like the next three guys, but I think there's limitations with all of those players compared to the other three that we discussed.
0: Yeah, so I think it's something to keep an eye on here as you take a look at the cornerback position, but it's certainly one of the top three or four positions of need. And I think the way reason we say that, we just saw how there was a kind of a revolving door of players across from James Bradbury, and I think when that happens, I think it's a signal that the team hadn't found somebody at that spot. So I would imagine the Giants would try to find a more reliable player that they could depend on there across from Bradbury. Hey, giant fans don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience, watching giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a giant suite partner, limited full season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games Call 888 NYG 1925 or visit giants.com suites for more information. Don't forget big blue kickoff five is brought to you by the new X series of scratch-offs from the New York lottery. Now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times Please play responsibly. All right, let's go to the phones at 973-667-1960. Jason is in New Haven. He joins us first on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Jason.
3: Hi, fellas. How you doing?
0: What's up, man? I'm
3: good. Um, I just had uh, four points, and I'll try to make them as quick as possible. Um, the first part I wanted to make, um, I don't know how true the stories are. Of course, we're not in those meetings. Um, with the Leonard Williams, I guess they were saying that I guess both sides are kind of far apart on contract now. You know, I don't know how true that is, but um if it does come to pass that he is asking which they said on social media, twenty million, so on and so forth, like I said, I don't know how true that is. But I think at that point you probably gotta let that situation or that ship sail if he is requesting that kind of money. Well, Jason, remember, you
0: can franchise him a second time, too, and the franchise tag is for less than that. And even if you don't want him on that franchise tag, you can still tag him and trade him. If you want to get just something back, maybe, maybe you recoup the picks that you traded for him originally, right? Something like that. So that's always an option, too point is they're not going to let them walk away for nothing. Bingo. Yeah.
2: Well, and the other point is when you read those reports, whether there's validity behind them or not, Jason, you have to understand if you give somebody the tag by March 9th, you have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal, which is not right around the corner. So even if they don't appear to be close now, you still have a few months here, and we've seen deadlines make deals in the National Football League. We've seen a lot of deals get right. done right at the last hour, and there's a reason because now both sides show a little bit more urgency.
0: And we should point out that we are not—we are not—we are not saying those reports are correct or wrong or anything like right. that. We're just re- replying, right. obviously, to what Jason said. Jason, what's your right, second? Right, right.
3: yeah, I, I understand. You know, those could be, you know, from either side. You know, saying those kind of things, and I wanted to talk about that because I think we do have some depth. I think BJ Hill is a pretty good player. I know we had that future reserves uh, guy we signed from Kansas City. I think his name is. Breeland or something like that and then we also have who I think never really got any time last year who I actually liked was RG McIntosh now I'm not saying they're Leonard Williams but I think we do have some depth there so there ain't no 11 and a
0: half sacks laying around though Jay
3: <laughs> no I know I know but if, if you're telling if you're telling me I can have um, Dalvin Tomlinson and maybe a Carl Lawson instead of Leonard Williams I'm probably going to take those two if it kind if it came down to it so okay um so,
2: we are talking thing, about Breland speaks, by the way, who is the player that they sorry, yeah, for the Breland. Chiefs. Yeah. Yep. I mean,
3: keep in mind though,
2: knee injury cost of two thousand nineteen, then he missed time with his suspension. So, you know, there are still some question marks in terms of right. his productivity.
3: Okay. Secondly, and I'll make it quick, um, uh the offensive line, um, I kinda I was reading that, um, they're saying that Nate Solder may be um thinking about playing this year. Um I think if that is the case, I don't wouldn't be so quick to, I know some fans are quick to cut him. Um, Is he an all-pro tackle? No, but I do think we still need depth amongst the offensive line. And I don't know if cutting him right now, you know, we would see, you know, would he be willing to accept a renegotiation on his contract, but I think right now he probably would be our best right tackle um, if he were to play. Um, So, I don't know what you guys think about that, and to me, Pitts and um, Smith are the two best playmakers in the draft. I think if those two players are kind of off the board and maybe Michael Parsons off the board, I'm kind of circling. I know a few weeks uh, week ago I talked about Uso. I don't think we're going to pick him that high. I would, but I don't think the Giants will. I'm kind of circling now to um, Slater, the tackle from Northwestern. I think if he's there, I'm kind of getting like a David Deal vibe from him. And I'm not saying David Deer was all pro, but he was really instrumental in those Super Bowl runs we had where he could play pretty much every little um, position except for center. I'm kind of getting that feel from Slater. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think I think if you pick him, you probably put him at either guard position. And at that point, hey, if you want to cut uh, Zeitler or if you want to kind of move on from Hernandez, I think you plug and play him there. He's probably your guard for 10 years. Well, Jason, or, I
0: think the beauty of Slater, though, right, is that you have all these young guys that are competing for offensive line spots, right? And yep. maybe maybe all of them end up being good enough to start. Maybe none of them. Maybe one of them. Then you have a guy where all right, this is the spot where we need him. This is where we can play him. That's why a guy like that is so valuable.
3: Right now, if Sewell's there, I'm probably. I think you know. I think Gettleman would probably run a, a three eight to the podium if Sewell was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I probably would too. Um, and then two more things. So another corner I think guys should look at or fans. I watched a little bit of tape on him. Not that I'm an aficionado, but um, Michael Davis from the Chargers. um, I'm not saying he's an all-pro or anything. Um, I think he would be a better option. Um, I think he had like three or four interceptions last year with the Chargers. He's been kind of unheralded. Nobody really talks about him, but I think he would actually make a good corner. Last point, Lorenzo Carter, I'm a big fan of his. I know he hasn't really broke out like a lot of fans. Thought he would coming out of Georgia, and I'm pretty sure in the organization. Um, I know last year when I saw him before he got hurt, I thought he was playing really good. Um, I know yesterday I heard you guys talk about him not really being a, a natural pass rusher. It may not be in terms of like a Von Miller type, but I think he sets up offensive tackles really well. He's with a lot of stutter steps and inside spin moves. So I think he is getting better. So, um, I'm a big fan of his. Hopefully he comes out on a tear this year. I know he's coming from the Achilles injury, so that's kind of touch and go. But uh, I wanted to see what you guys thought about those points, and I'll take it off the air.
0: Thank you, Jason. Paul, do you want to talk about his his last two points on, on the defense and for agency? Well, I, I would just say uh, Michael Davis,
1: I, I think he's been pretty productive over the course of, of the last couple of years with the Chargers. And quite honestly, I was just looking up his salary. He, he made over $3 million this past season and played 92% of the snaps. So, A, I don't know what the Chargers' willingness is to allow him to walk, and B, if he does, I would expect that he's not one of those guys you're going to get in the bargain basement bin. So it would probably rule him out for me because I just don't see him fitting the requirements that I would need to fit if I was going to bring in a veteran corner at some point.
2: Well, plus he was an undrafted free agent, so here's another example of a player looking to cash in after signing a one-year deal last year. Now, all of a sudden, he proved his worth. He wants to now be rewarded accordingly. I would agree with you there, Paul. I think the other thing, though, that you have to take into consideration, and this does not necessarily mean that he's not returning to the Chargers, but they did change coaching staffs. So it depends on what Brandon Staley, now their new head coach, who comes over from the Rams, what he and his new staff think of him. Remember, you know, you could have one coaching staff enamored by a guy, and then yeah. another coaching staff comes in and they have a different perspective. So you know, that's another wild card, I think, that you need to note with respect to his outlook there.
0: Now, just to point out, he mentioned the Nate Solder thing. We have no idea what Nate Solder's thinking. We have no idea what the team is thinking. So we're certainly not going to speculate on that. But just in terms of and not even give out numbers, but just in terms of his contract, there's only so much you can do because whenever you have prorated signing bonus, that can't be touched in any sort of restructure or renegotiation. Same thing for um, restructure bonuses that get sent down the line on the contract. So some of that is just money that's there and you can't move it. Can you make a renegotiation on base salary? Sure, you could do something like that, but that's something that obviously has to be negotiated between Nate and the team to to figure something like that out if they want to go down that path. Well, I, I will
4: say,
2: John, and I've been on the record on multiple shows, I agree with the sentiments of The Last Caller that there is value in having Nate Solder on the roster next season. There is a need as it stands right now, especially with Cam Fleming being a free agent, Matt Paird, a young player who I don't think at this point we can give a fair estimation of what he can be down the road. I think you want to see more. So, you know, if they can make the money work and there's an interest for both sides to stay together, I would argue, yes, there is a value and he warrants a roster spot. Whether or not it plays out that way remains to be seen. I'm not necessarily factoring in the mathematical equation, but if you were to ask me my opinion, Nate Soldier has an opportunity and a role here that if he could be fully healthy, he could stay durable, that there's a reason to have a veteran offensive lineman who you could put at right tackle right now.
1: 9-7. Oh, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. No, I Lance, you, you, you said a mouthful. This is a guy who has fought through I don't even want to go through the wallpaper list of, of injuries and bumps sure. and bruises and everything that he has done. And a great to, guy, great teammate, by the to, way. Yeah. Too. To be a pro and to be a great teammate and to be a guy who the coaching staff could count on that. You know what? I will be there on Sunday. You can, you know, it. book it. I will be there. I'll give you whatever I have. And then some, but the truth of the matter is he's got a lot of mileage on his tires He's had a litany of injuries that he has played through. He is over 30 years old. Lance, uh, for me, I just don't know what he can give them right now. Or if I I can say that reliability that he has shown throughout his, what, 10-year career, I, I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to continue to show that. Because at some point, the body starts telling you that's enough and it starts to break down, and it starts to bark back.
0: And just FYI, he will turn 33, I believe, next month or well, in April, I should say. There, there you go. John, that's got to be part of my consideration. No question. And, well, that, and, those all, and those are all the things that both the team and Nate will have to try and to And by the way,
1: out. remember, yeah, you can say he's been off for a year, so maybe he hasn't taken a beating and maybe he's had a chance to heal up. But at the same time, you know he probably, even if he stayed fit, He's not in football shape. He hasn't been hit. He hasn't been whacked. And, you know, older players, when they take some time off and then they come back, it is much more difficult for them to be able to sustain that when they come back off inactivity. That's just a a fact. That's not something I'm making up. We've seen that time and time again. It's a lot easier for a younger guy – be out for a year whether it was a holdout or an injury situation than it is for an older guy to do it
2: well we have some time to go of course till he would you know get back on the field and approach the start of the season so i wouldn't be overly concerned about that and i'm sure he's been staying in shape i mean i'm not saying he's been putting on the pads and working against defensive linemen but i find it hard to believe that he wasn't staying in shape and i do think sometimes you know a veteran like that it can be extremely beneficial to hit the reset button And not have to go through the grind of a regular season and heal up considering all the injuries he played with. And despite the fact that he has had to battle some, this is a player that played at least 15 games, started at least 15 in each of the last four seasons in which he has been an active player. So, you know, the reliability factor has been there regardless of whether or not the full health has been there. And that does say something about a
1: player. We look at it totally opposite, Lance, because I look at that reliability as a plus while he's doing it, but then I also say there's a law of diminishing returns because a guy who plays with that many injuries over the course of time, year after year after year, now there's diminishing returns because that says on the back end of it, at some point he's going to fall off the cliff. And you can't count on that reliability. It now becomes a negative instead of a positive because the cumulative effect has drained his gas tank to the point where he's now shot.
2: Well, and that's why those conversations need to be had in terms of where he's at mentally. Okay, not just where he's at physically. If you need to make an adjustment financially, that's another conversation. But once again, based on track record, and I can only go based on track record. If you were to ask me, If you could have Nate Solder in the mix competing with a young player, I would sign up for that, and I would see how things play out versus just banking on the young player and not having anything else to push him. I would take the veteran in-house that I already have and at least I have known about as long as, once again, financially he can make it work.
0: Let's get back to the calls at 973-667-1960. But first, Giant fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants' branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants' online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC, the New York Giants, and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. And Giant fans, don't forget to miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or a place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash Suites for more information back to the phones call you're on the air what is your name and where are you calling from
5: yeah marty from anahawk what's up man hey uh i'm just curious i heard you going down the list of the uh corners that we had and uh Uh, I was trying to figure out if we lost that uh, Sam Beal beyond the uh, the COVID opt-out. No, you know what,
0: uh... Marty, you make a really good point. Uh, I was looking at the roster page on the Giants site, and I guess all the way at the bottom is the reserve opt-out list from last year, and that's where Beal was listed. Why, I did not read his name because he was not on the list I was looking at, but you're right. Sam Beal, who was the supplemental... Third round pick, boy, what was that, Paul, 2018 now? Yes, three Paul? years ago. Yeah, 20- I, I
1: don't know if he's coming back or not. I haven't heard whether or not his opt-out has been uh, relinquished.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. So you're right, though, Marty. I did omit his name. That's my fault. He is there, and the Giants obviously still like his physical tools. Uh, but who knows where he is after three years in the league where he's really been injured more than he's been healthy.
5: Yeah, that's, that's the knock on them, the injuries. Uh, one quick thing, I was just fooling around this morning with the, uh, the simulator, and uh, it's, it's pretty funny. We're talking about corners, and I ended up getting two corners in the sixth round. Uh, the one kid that was from uh, Central Florida, uh, I forget what his name is, McTay or something, and uh, the other guy was uh, one of those. Uh, he was from uh, a corner from Minnesota, University of Minnesota. Okay. So it's. Uh, I mean, they're out there. They, you know.
0: Yeah, but Marty, sixth round cornerbacks. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I'll say, man. Good Far luck. from
5: a guarantee. <laughs> yeah, no guarantee is right, but uh, it would be. It would be good to at least get some depth if possible. So no, absolutely. All right, guys. Have Thank you, Marty.
0: Day. You too, bud. Appreciate it. And good point. And, and we just don't know what, what the future is for Bill here. You know, it's one of those out of sight, out of mind things, which is why, which is my fault. I should have remembered him. I just didn't. Um, he is in the mix, too. But Well, no, we we don't know that, John. We, we know he opted
1: well, out. He anybody... could potentially be yes. in the mix. Well, yeah, his exactly. rights go
2: back to the Giants, Paul, though. Right. It's not crazy to say that until well, they're officially back. on the yes. record.
1: No, his rights are back, but I haven't yeah. heard a
2: word or a peep out of him that says he wants to come back to play. Okay, but I don't think any player that opted out last year, at least I don't know of the league even taking a tally that they publicly have to make a statement, hey, I want to come back and play. I think we're still far from that point. If anything, those are individual conversations that players are having with coaches and their staffs. But the NFL rulebook made it very clear that anyone that opted out has a frozen contract. And what that means is you just then start the clock up once we get past the 2020 season. So if you had two years left on your contract, you still have two years left on your contract. It just goes over one year. You skip over 2020. So for Beal, remember, we're talking about a third round pick because he was a supplemental pick. Based on the math, the 18, 19, 20, there's still one year left on his contract.
0: No, so- two actually, right? Does he have a four-year contract? So he'd have two years left on his deal, right? 18, 19, oh, that's right, and then he didn't 21, play 22, You're right. right. I, mm-hmm. I
2: included 20. You're 100% right. It'd be two years because that would be a four year contract because he only used up two, 18 and 19. So, as the way I'm figuring it out, you still have 21 and 22
0: as potential to utilize yeah, on the roster. Yeah, to Lance's point, Paul, I don't think guys have to come out and say, yeah. all right, I'm opting back in. I think the assumption is the guys, are based simply based on the CBA, are opted in unless they come up with some type of. Mechanism where guys can opt out again. You know what right. I mean? Or unless well, the team, of and, course, releases a player, John. right? Or cuts I, them I, or something. that.
1: I, I think, that yeah. for, from my perspective, the reason I'm a tad uncomfortable talking about him being a possible solution is because I truly have no idea why he opted out. Well, of if there was a if there was a reason that would prevent him from coming back, because no one has told me a word about his status. And the truth of the matter is, all of these guys who have contracts, guess what? they better have an idea of what's going on by the time the calendar year opens up in a couple of weeks because that's when the salary cap has to be set. So I'm sorry, but that does have to be kind of rectified or at least there has to be a situation or an option given to those guys and those teams as to what they've got to do with those guys sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you obviously want an idea, Paul. I don't disagree with any of that, but once again, I'm sure the Giants have been in communication with him and his reps, and they're getting yeah, to Yeah, but we point. don't know that. That's my point. I'm not comfortable no, guys, talking about
0: no, no, All, all Guys, this, this is all that really <laughs> matters here. This is all that matters, okay? <laughs> he, Sancio, he's under rights. Has a, they, they have his rights. He has a contract correct, yes. that, is that is correct. with the New York Giants. That is correct. Well, but, That's but all that matters. And, and here's the other thing I wanted
2: to add. We're not at the 53-man roster yet, Paul, too, so, you know, the fact guys, that everybody...
1: guys, I'm uncomfortable talking about a guy being a potential solution where I don't know what
2: his status well, is. We're simple. not even talking it's about a, It's him a, being a personal solution. preference. That's w- all. I'm at least I'm looking at it. John, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. Okay. But I'm looking at it as you have a 90 man roster. There is open competition for the cornerback spot opposite James Bradbury. If I drafted a guy in the third round in 2018, which is not 17 years ago, what's the harm in having him come back in the mix and compete for none. There's none. That, I would, that's I my. view. I I would, I would okay. offer
1: him an Uber ride to the facility if he <laughs> okay, wants to come well, back and go. compete. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. So then
0: we're all on the same page. Nine, I just want to know if he's coming back. And, well, I
1: can't tell you that, but that's well, my that's my, my point. Nine seven three six <laughs> six, six seven nineteen sixty.
0: Let's go back to the phones, caller. You're on the air. What are you calling from? I'll never get that five minutes of my life back. Caller, I what's going well, on? We all won't get
4: that five minutes back. So you're not alone.
0: <laughs> caller, what's up? <laughs>
4: Excuse me, John. It's uh, Jimmy from Rose Hill again. Hey, I'm Jimmy. About to throw, you got to throw a yellow flag on these two guys. I mean, <laughs> a yellow flag?
0: Ahead. You know what I need? I, I, think, <laughs> I think I need a tranquilizer dart. I can just send them to both ways.
4: <laughs> Listen, I know you guys are up against it, So, um, and I did speak to you yesterday. So just a couple of quick things. Uh, Renzo Carter, he's come up a lot the last couple of days. And um, I agree with, with what Paul has talked about, what the previous caller talked about. You know, if the, if the object is to have more good players on field, I think he's a good football player. And, you know, so what if he if you put him over a tight end? Banks made it. I'm not suggesting he's called Banks, but, you know, Banks had a car- made a career out of that. Never had quite a few sacks. Granted, he had this other guy named Taylor on the other side. But in terms of physical stature and what he brings I, it's a big year for the kid this year, but I think if he stays healthy, and if he just turns out to be a good, solid linebacker that sets the edge, that shows he could maybe you know trail a tight end out into the flat, he did show some of that ability early in his career. I'm looking for big things from Carter. Um,
2: I just hope that Lorenzo Carter publicly declares when he's fully healthy to return to the field and makes that known. You know, we, we just want to make sure that his status is well-known, <sighs> at least just when he's comfortable of stepping oh back on the field. That's all. Yes.
4: Okay. Uh, you Go ahead, Jimmy. Points. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there. So. Two other, uh, two other points. I'll get off the uh, phone. Let you guys talk about it. Yeah. So let's see. So we're having all these hypothetical drafts here on February, whatever the date is. If the Giants are up, and it's Parsons or cornerback or Slater, and that's that. You know who knows that could be an happen. option.
0: That that's a fair question.
4: All right. So that would. So my question for the three of you is, where would you go? And then finally, um, I haven't heard anything about this. Maybe Lance, you can speak to this. Um, our season, my season ticket renewal, taught had some adjustment in it to account for the possibility of a ninth home game. So Correct. I haven't heard much conversation about that. Can you guys? Can you guys speak to, speak yeah, to Jim, that? Yeah, Jim, I can speak and, to uh, that. They, they have okay. not
1: fully gotten all the details together as to whether or not there will be a 17th game or not in the regular season. The anticipation uh-huh. is that there will be. If that 17th game is approved and finalized and put in concrete, they've got to then decide, is it going to alternate home and away for the 17th game based on years, or is it going to be a neutral site game? There's another thing they've also got to figure out. When you get your season tickets, you're, you get what right now has been a 10-game package, two, right. two preseason games and eight regular season games. The other thing they don't know is how many preseason games will there be, and if so, how many home preseason games will there be. So there are too many variables for them to actually lock down the amount of games that you have to pay for. So they're giving you kind of a gray area. They're saying there's a possibility of this, so that you have an idea of what you have to financially plan for, without committing 100 percent to the dollar how much you're going to owe.
4: Well, can I just can I stick on that subject for a second, sure. Paul, if you don't mind? Actually, if you, the the letter is pretty clear, it's still based. The whole theory is still based on a you you as a seasoned ticket holder paying for. 10 games, what they're saying is with it, they made an adjustment because it could be Giants could conceivably get nine home games and then it'd only be one preseason game. It was pretty clear that that's what, the, that's what would happen. So, Well, my dad has
1: seasons, and I did see the letter. And, and right. unfortunately, you know, as I told him, we don't know. We really don't know how many preseason games there will be. Or how many home preseason games there will be. So I, 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 you're right. I did see it. I read it, and I told him the same thing I'm telling you. Is that is, at the moment, there's there's still flexibility in there.
4: So, so one final question on this topic, then. So will this all be? So is there another? But there's no other contract for the league and the players to negotiate. Is there, or or is there? Or,
2: well, they negotiated or, a new CBA before the pandemic hit. If you recall, a right. new ten-year. CBA, but there was a side note to that where they said they would leave open the negotiations for a potential 17th game as part of when they extended the playoff picture last year. So what Paul's saying is that was already laid out, but nothing had been finalized. So they already agreed to that within the framework of the CBA that, hey, we haven't solidified it, but we're both open to the idea of future conversations on this subject.
1: You know right. the other thing you well, got to remember, Jim, is this this pandemic thing isn't over yet. And I know we're all hoping that it's going to get better and it's leaning in that direction. But mm-hmm. as this continues, we already know they've made the entire off season virtual. You know, I mean that uh, there's still much to be determined.
4: Oh no, no, no Paul, I you know I agree, I, I agree wholeheartedly. There's still so many you know so many unanswered questions. I was just talking specifically about about. I guess this, to me, was this tangible evidence about this possibility of a, of a 17th game and, and how it impacts your, your season tickets. That impacts, impacts the 17th the game the,
1: being a home game, an away game, or a neutral site game if they go to the 17 regular season games. That's exactly what that refers to.
0: And just, and Jimmy, FYI, and, and, and thanks a lot for the call. I appreciate it. That 17th game, at least I think the plan would be for that to be against the, a team that finishes in the same place as you in the other conference. Yes. And then that division would also then rotate with along with the other AFC division in which you would play all four games the against. The
1: speculation right now, John, according to all of the tea leaves, is that the Giants would play the Miami Dolphins yep. in game number 17. Yep. Well, not ideal, given
0: the Dolphins won like 10 games. 10 games
1: left understood Although i don't know two, I mean, two
2: is going to be quarterback so young quarterback i don't know that's not so bad i don't understand why they didn't i mean i was campaigning for them and, and i get it this is a whole other subject but just real quickly i don't understand why they didn't just take away those two random games that you get to fill out your schedule against you know teams within the conference that finish the same way and just play another conference within your you know nfc and and make it even that way. Why, why have more well, you know, I mean, out-of-conference games? I, I don't understand why they chose to go down that road.
0: You would be short one team for one because you only have three additional games and there's four teams in the division. And they do want to... I think the reason you don't do that, Lance, is that they do want to um, allow some schedule determination based on record the previous season. And if you take that away schedules would be determined with no consideration of the previous year's record at all.
2: No, and I get that, but but you know that goes back to the whole strength of schedule thing. I know. Considering your roster's bound to change anyway, I don't see why you have to emphasize having the record from the previous year as a way to dictate part of the schedule. Even if it's a small percentage, I still am not in favor of it. With
0: that that being said, if you're a team, Lance, and you gave— thirty two teams a choice, would you rather play the Packers next year or the Lions next year? You know what team all thirty two teams are taking? Oh, of course. <laughs> well, well they'll they'll campaign for that. one hundred percent.
2: No. I mean if you gave them the choice, yeah. You know, if they can avoid going up against a top tier team, no well, doubt about right.
0: it. Right. But, yeah. but 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 that's the difference. I like Washington won the division, so they'd have to play the they'd have to play the Packers, right? But the Giants, they didn't, so they get to play the Lions or Vikings, whichever team is on the, the – the, maybe it's the Bears. Whatever team is on the Giants' schedule for next year, I think it's the Bears, actually. But, um, so, so that's how it works. Anyway, we have one more call. I want to squeeze it in before you say goodbye, folks. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
6: Hey, guys. Lynn from Columbia, Maryland, and I'll make it real quick. Thank you. Um, no one's getting, on the buil- getting in the building on March 17th who doesn't want to be there. And the Giants will know who those people are because they'll be talking to them.
0: Well, Len, I'm afraid afraid no one's getting in the building on March Well, well,
6: you know what I mean. (laughs) I I am just joking. You know what I I mean. I mean, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. I do. do. And and, uh, secondly, um, no one's getting in the building who the Giants don't want in the building. Um, The other thing I want to say, and then I'll let you go for the weekend, is for me in the draft, it's simply best player available at 11. Just go down your list. There's gonna be somebody there who can help the Giants. You don't have and any you take the position, guy who's on that list.
0: Len, you don't have any position preference at all.
6: Um, I just wanna pick the best player available. I I mean I got it there's gonna be somebody there. I mean I got it down to uh, yeah, you know, 12, I believe I can pick the first 12 guys. I won't pick, I won't say what teams they're going to, but I think I can pick the 12 guys who are going to be. Okay, well, Len,
0: Len, how about this? Let's say you have, and I'm going to put you on the spot now, because I can. If yeah. you have three guys with very similar grades, I'm going to give you three positions. I'm not going to make it easy. I'm taking wide okay. receiver out of the mix for you. Okay. I'll push wide receiver out. If you have three guys with similar grades at corner, linebacker, and offensive line, where are you going?
6: Corner. Okay corner sounds good okay thanks have a good weekend
0: appreciate you being brief man have a great weekend we'll talk to you next week lance Mm -hmm. you were gonna say something
2: no i was basically bidding him goodbye okay.
0: sorry about that no sorry about that (laughs) no Um, no problem so by the way uh this should go uh, we we should before you say goodbye answer jimmy's first question of his call which we didn't when he got onto the 17th game he asked linebacker corner offensive line Putting grades and best player aside, how would you rank, I guess, I guess pure need for the Giants along those three spots? Well, John, didn't he lay out specific players? I thought I oh, heard did he?
2: Parsons and Slater being named. Okay, you know what? You know what? He, right. mentioned,
0: he mentioned one of the corners, Parsons or Slater, which is why I picked corner or line and linebacker. So how would you rank the, that kind of group out right now?
2: I'd probably put one of the corners— First, I put Slater second, I put Parsons third.
0: Paul? I'd probably go that way too. I would have Parsons third, and I. Do I have to make my mind on the cornerback and offensive lineman? (laughs) Yeah, you asked the question. Hey, you know, you put the caller
2: on the spot, so now we're going (laughs) to put you on the spot, all right? (sighs) Put the big boy pants on.
0: (sighs) Well, it depends what happens in free agency, but that's a cop out. Oh, here we go. That's a cop out. The laundry list of outs. I'm thinking, give me a second. (sighs) If you made me answer right now, <laughs> if you maybe answer right now, I would probably I would probably pick the generic cornerback if they have the same grade. but if if I find Slater's a better player than one of the corners, I'd be okay picking him. I would say corners the bigger need right now.
1: just just one thing I, I do want to throw out here as we finally uh, end the program. Yep. I do want to say to Jim in Thanks. terms of the the games and stuff. I have long advocated that if they were going to change the schedule, I covered the USFL, I covered the New Jersey Generals for three years, went to all the home games and everything. They played 18 games, okay? They played 18 games. They did it for three seasons. If you ask any of the players who played in the USFL, they will tell you they had their bye weeks, they had their 18 games, they got through it fine. It was not a big deal. You're you're, you're lucky Jeff Eagles isn't on the call right now. Yeah, I get it. I get it, you know, and that's fine. But, you know, I was around that league, and there were a ton of those players who made it to the NFL, so I don't want to hear about they could play 18 because it was poor caliber play. And by the I don't way, want to hear
0: that. there would also be a reduction in preseason games too. Correct. Regardless if they go to 17 or 18. So Correct. just something to keep you keep in mind as we talk about it. Guys. So
1: they went to two preseason and 18 regular season, I'd be fine with that. But anyway, have a yeah, great we're day. not going to have 21 games, I'll tell you that. That's not <laughs>
0: happening. Yeah. All right, guys, have a great weekend. And, folks, next week, since we didn't have a chance to do our combine shows this year, And I'm a little depressed. We should be eating Paul at St. Elmo's right now, having our little shrimp (laughs) cocktail on our steak, which we're not, which is very disappointing. Um, But next week we will try to do as good of a facsimile as our combine week as we can. We're going to have one draft guest each day. I already have four booked. Tony Paulin will be with us. Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports will be with us. Jeff Risden from Real GM will be with us. Dane Brugler from The Athletic will be with us on four of those five days. I'm still trying to book that final day. Will you stop calling? The show's over, people. Gosh darn it. No, <laughs> you know who it is? Hold
2: on. It may be Sam Beal's rep trying to get a <laughs> call and answer. So you may want to grab that. Grab that well, real in quick, In that John. case, we got we to gotta get the call. <laughs> we have to. I mean, come on. The, the family's
0: listening. Everybody wants to give Paul
2: an answer of where he stands. Anyway,
0: yes. so those are the four draft guests we have set for next week, and we'll have a fifth one as well. So we'll kind of dive into the draft class a little bit deeper. And by the way, guys, I thought our little position series this year, I thought went really well. I thought like i have a much better feel for both the free agency and, and the draft class at all these spots and the Giants roster than we usually do at this time. So I think it actually worked pretty well.
1: Well, we'll see as free agency opens up how this whole thing shakes out because you can bet you there are going to be some surprises, John. Absolutely. I'm just happy that we were able to pat ourselves
2: on the back at the end of the program.
0: I just, <laughs> I well, I just hope that the fans enjoyed it as as much as I did. Because we try. I, because, because I did think it was a worthwhile process to go. We through. We try. Hey, yes, we
2: there's do. not going to be a better discussion on any of those topics anywhere outside of this podcast so i think that's crystal clear
0: big blue kickoff live is brought to you by the new x series of scratch offs in the new york lottery now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times please play responsibly giant fans don't forget that big blue kickoff live is part of the giants podcast network which is presented by investors bank make sure you find the archive of this show and all of our podcasts including the giants huddle at giants.com slash podcast on the giants mobile app and your favorite podcast platforms Hopefully Lance has some fun this weekend. He's in a better mood next week. Paulie can get I'm some walks in. Mood. Oh, now it's on me all yeah, of a You chippy son of a gun. We'll yes. see you well, on chippy Monday, you yes. good, guys. We'll see all on right, Monday, guys. everybody. Bye. Stay safe there. <laughs>